comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Before we begin this week's episode, we just want to point out that we do talk about some spoilers during this episode. You'll be notified by some special sounds, but we just want to give you a heads up. And now, on with the show. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audiblechild.com slash outnowpodcast. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your Android, iPhone, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Aaron, you gotta watch out. You gotta cover your back. Watch yourself, son. Why kick rocket, fool? Dr. Zayus, Dr. Zayus. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Hey, buenos noches. I think it's buenos dias, actually. I believe that's correct, too. I just wanted to change it up there. Okay. <laughs> okay. Out Now is a film podcast. Dave and I are discussing new movies weekly. We cover various movie topics and dive into a mostly spoiler-free review before jumping back into the other topics. This episode is 158. 158. All of that. I mean, it's pretty close to 160. Nothing special for 160, though. It's true. Um, and this week we we're discussing Dawn of the Planet of the Apes um, with Andy Circus and a host of other people. And joining us to discuss Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, we have from the podcast Battleship Pretension and More Than One Lesson, he's currently trying to turn his lights back on. It's Tyler Smith. Hello. And from the Examiner, a man holding a man with nothing but love for human work, it's Marcus Robinson. Hey. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> oh, hi. How are you guys doing? Solid. <laughs> How are you guys today? Today. Oh, great. Excellent. I'm doing fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's early in the morning. It's this established rapport that we already have that really makes the show worthwhile. That's. What it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like we're old friends. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. It's just that. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we're talking Dawn of the Planet of the Apes today, but before we get to that, let's uh, get some announcement stuff out of the way. Um, with Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, um, this did bring to mind Planet of the Apes, and with that, we did record a commentary for Planet, the original Planet of the Apes, the 1968 version of Charlton Heston. Uh, that's available now on iTunes. It features myself, friend of the show Brandon Peters, and friend of the show Jim Dietz, all discussing Planet of the Apes, that film, the franchise in general, Charlton Heston's career, and other things. It's really, it's a really fun episode, so feel free to check that one out. It's up now. And as also, let's see, uh, last week's episode, Abe, we had a lot of fun putting that one together. We did. That one was like a really good, basically a mid-year review uh, of sorts for the, the films that we've seen. Yeah, slash Simpsons clip show episode, since we just <laughs> talked, about, we talked about things we already talked about and played clips from said things. And it also had a giant <laughs> Simpsons-related blooper at the end of the episode, so it, was, it became a Simpsons clip show. Um, but no, it was it was fun to put that together. And I just do want to point out that <clears throat> once the music starts at the end of these episodes, <clears throat> that does not mean that the episode has ended. There, we always have something at the end there, so feel free to make sure to, to stay tuned. Our our <laughs> our ending credits are much shorter than most movies' ending credits, so you don't even have to wait that long. No. Yeah. And speaking of which. 
in terms of waiting for things. Uh, iTunes reviews and ratings, good to get those. Helps out the show, helps other people find Woo! the show. And uh, yeah, we're always happy to get them. Always happy to see a little bit, you know, little little extra effort being put in by the listeners who are happy to listen to our show. Like perhaps add something at the in the old iTunes machine there. So iTunes reviews and yeah, ratings. Yeah, gotta do some human work. There you, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. So with all that, let's get to know everybody. Where each week, Abe and I ask everyone else a couple questions and try to set the tone for the podcast to better get to know no everybody. everybody. That wasn't even remotely close. That one wasn't close? <laughs> what? It'll sound better in the recording. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Abe, with that said, why don't you go first? Okay. All right. So if you guys are in a post-apocalyptic <laughs> world and you guys found some power and some music, what song would you choose to play? To have some people dance in. <laughs> oh God. Uh, I have no clue. Uh, <laughs> that's a hard one. I have an answer for this, but I want to. You have an that. answer? Yeah, hey, I'll go last. I'll go last. Tyler, <laughs> do you have a song that people would yeah, that you'd play if you suddenly had power? Uh, well, now it was the the question said that you would have people dance to and that's where i ah. hit a snag because my music <laughs> tends not to be that but as i started just going through a catalog of music in my own mind uh i'm just going to go with the first one that seems like a thing people could dance to that's kind of up tempo and stuff like that and that's going to be a uh, jumpin jack flash by uh, the rolling stones okay there you go there you go <clears throat> so my, I, when I when I saw Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, I had a I had an answer in mind to this question already, Abe, because there is a scene where me, where people are dancing. We don't know what they're dancing to because the the, the music's dropped down. It's just score playing. Yeah. And what I imagine they were dancing to, of course, is DMX up in here. That's. That's the only thing that made sense in my mind, and after seeing it again, that's the only thing that's going to continue to make sense. Oh, when that's going to be great. When it comes out, there's going to be a YouTube edit that's going to have that. And that is exactly correct. I'm yeah. going to be thrilled. No it's actually that... going to happen for our show, too. No wonder that little white kid was going crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Okay, uh, I would put, I guess, uh, uh, Who Let the Dogs Out? Who Let the Dogs Out? Who... Ah, the classic Marcus. The classic. <laughs> the classic. Nobody already, knows. Yeah. To this day, who let them out? That's what he. That's what Marcus. It's like the to second his, apocalypse. Marcus listens to <laughs> "Who Let the Dogs Out" to psych himself up for this podcast. That's yeah. He's, he's always jamming on it right before he like, he's kind of logs in. He's actually listening to it right now in one ear. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think I might have a. I think I might have an, another answer that is less instinctive now that I've had a moment to think about it. Yes. Yes. Obviously, uh, the Benny Hill theme. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you know how much less depressing god of the planet of the apes could be if there was just like sped up motion in some scenes of them just running around oh, every movie is less depressing that's true uh, yeah you, you could throw that on i don't know Requiem for a dream. Or something. Requiem oh, for a dream. They're like carrying their refrigerator. <laughs> Absolutely. Marlon Wayans and Jared Lee are like. It's just amazing. <laughs> Jennifer Connelly's end scene and do something. Um, 
Anyway. Next Ooh, question. End, end scene. You see what That's, I did there? You see what yeah. I did? Yeah. yeah. Keith That's David. why you host a podcast. Keith David special right there. Um, okay, my question. Why Cookie Rocket? That's not my question. Um, what kind of games do you think apes play? Hmm. I believe that they'd be playing chess. I'm just saying. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I like glad you had just like a week after we said <laughs> we said how much we hate the saying enough said you had just say to the end of a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> hate that phrase too. <laughs> um, I would say something on uh, the old like uh, Nintendos because they only have two buttons. They only need they oh. don't need a. To the thumb action. I'd like to see a scene of like Caesar taking a cartridge and blowing into it before he comes <laughs> into the machine. Yeah, cunt. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Let's see. My, I think probably Jenga. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Jenga. Yes. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> They're gonna need yeah. to develop that hand-eye coordination. What if there was a scene of, like, Caesar and Koba playing Jenga at the beginning, and then, like, Koba knocks over the tower, and, and they look at the camera, and they're like, foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> as, as you tend to do in movies to make sure you know that there's foreshadowing, you look into the camera and say the word <laughs> that implies what's going to happen. Wouldn't it be as, wouldn't these movies just be fascinating if in every film they had one moment in which an ape just completely breaks the fourth wall? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but just, just for one moment... <laughs> I thought that's how it starts with him looking into the camera at the uh, the beginning. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess that's what it is. It's like, hey, guys, like uh, get ready for this. <laughs> Caesar's just yelling at Blue Eyes, and then Blue Eyes looks at the camera's like, "Parents, am I right?" <laughs> <laughs> Makes a giant shrug with one shoulder. It's a Kirby enthusiasm theme. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this is why we don't write movies. <laughs> And why we can't wait to review Marcus's movies. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 Thanks, Marcus. Thanks for that segue. Okay, I think we've sufficiently gotten to know everybody. <laughs> so that's how you play. Nowhere. Know everybody. Better. Okay, let's go on to Out Now Quickies. Yep. Each week on Out Now, we talk about one main movie of the week, but we have other movies that we also see during the week, so that's why it's time to go on Out Now Quickies. Yep. All right. Abe, have you seen any other movies this week? No other movies, but I did watch Pete Holmes in stand-up comedy yesterday in San Francisco. Very funny. Love that guy. Oh, that was the that was the station he was on. TBS, very funny. It's going to be canceled, though. <laughs> yeah, his show got canceled. Dad. But no, I like Pete Holmes. He's a, he's a funny guy. Yeah, he is. Uh, Tyler, have you seen any other movies this week? Uh, movies, no. I've been watching a lot of TV. I I watched uh, the third season of Luther. Luther? Luther. And, yeah. And then I've been... Making my way through the American Office, which I which I stopped watching many years ago, and then decided, okay, I'm going to make a go of this, and and started and picked that up. So I'm into the eighth season now. Oh boy! And I've been watching a lot of the uh, uh, Robert California episodes, which I've been enjoying for the most part. Um, and I feel like that might be about it. Well, I mean, uh, Hulu Plus did just add a number of seasons of Survivor. So my wife and I have been watching Survivor uh, Token Chains, which is uh, so far a pretty good season. So you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Thanks. You. What is it? What, which one is that? 
Survivor token chains. Oh. I would identify it by saying it's it's the one where so and so wins, but that would be a spoiler. It's oh. the one where Tyson shows up for the first time, as does Coach. <laughs> I'm sure these things make sense to people. I'll write that watch down. Survivor because I have no idea yeah. what we're talking about. <laughs> I was like, Coach, this is a this is a cool game. I don't know what this is. It's a better show than people give it credit for. I, I actually defend it. It's, I mean, I think people judge it, not unlike a Jaws or something like that. People judge it on what came after as a result of it existing. But I think most people, if they were to go back and watch Survivor, I think they would actually think it's it's uh, at least compelling. Mm-hmm. I have nothing against Survivor. I just, it's, it's not my, my type of genre of television show that I watch. Well, what is your type? Aaron, yeah, that's Aaron. what I'd like to know. I just have a list that says things Tyler probably, you know, maybe doesn't watch, so I watch that instead. And you know, no, I'm, just not, I'm not, a, I'm not a reality TV guy. That's not, it's just not my thing. And I guess, I mean, it's, it is reality TV, but I think because it falls under reality competition, yeah, like that and the Amazing Race, I'm much more inclined to watch. As far as actual reality TV, where there's no real structure to it, uh, that I'm not, I tend not to be interested in. Enough. Yeah, and yeah. it's certainly nothing against said things. It's just more of my own personal tastes. It's just like yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to get too far off topic, but what? Uh, I don't understand the Amazing Race. How? Like, don't they just get to one place and it's game over? Well, or and it's amazing. To... It's a race. It's amazing. Yeah, but some can't. Somebody just hop a plane and well, they're all just missing the whole planes. planes. They're ho- so it's whatever planes faster. Well. <laughs> I don't. I, I, I honestly don't get it. I, I, no, they're, they're, I don't want to get too far off topic. There's a, there's objectives, I believe, right? In the amazing yes, race. there are different yes. legs of the yeah. race where you are sometimes given a clue about where it is you need to go, and then when you get to that place, there are tasks you need to do. So, of course, you might not do a task as quickly as somebody else, and then you also have to get yourself to an airport in, I don't know, South Africa, and some people get lost along the way they get a bad cab driver uh that sort of thing they can't uh, there's only a certain number of tickets on the earlier flight nailed that one marcus what what have you watched this week uh well i'm only gonna uh, i'm only doing one right yeah so so uh whatever uh i i was playing a little bit of catch up this week so i saw snowpiercer and delivers from evil so whatever one you want to hear about hear about snowpiercer (laughs) okay well uh snowpiercer everybody pretty much knows the premise it's like an apocalyptic train movie one of those yeah one of those you know we hear about those every day i think there and i'll keep this short i think there there are instances and i didn't like this as much as everybody else did but i that's shocking i know to a lot of people but there are instances when the source material is fantastic and innovative for its genre but it doesn't quite translate or it comes off as way too eccentric, or something doesn't translate onto the big screen, and it isolates some audiences. And I was one of those audiences that was kind of isolated. I could, I, I understand it's there's some great direction in here, but I, I wasn't even on board until the first, until the the second hour, <clears throat> the end of the first hour. I'm sorry. Um, and I. And it really doesn't help that Chris Evans has like all the charisma and acting ability of a, a pet rock. Whoa! So no. that's more angry, you know. If you want to know my put put my uh, email down on the uh, show. So. 
that's 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 what I have to say. It was it was okay. Even during that even during that last monologue, I think that was some pretty amazing acting. Okay. So 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 when okay, I don't know how much I can go into this. But yeah, when sorry. he says when he says the thing about a baby. Right. Right. I cringed. But not in a way that I was emotionally touched or emotionally like put off. I was just it was like uh, I was just like, oh, this is terrible. I it maybe in better hands this would have come off as some emotional like this is supposed to be his like emotional like uh, 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 finale, right? This is his, his emotional piece where he has he's been in a silent, strong silent throughout, and then he's like just going off. And when he says that thing about the baby, I I kind of almost laughed a little bit. I I couldn't, and and and, and mind you, there was people in there that were really getting into it. They were really in it. They were just totally in it by that point. I just, I didn't, it sounded really silly to me what he said. Well, it is, I think it, it's, it's a little, um, I think there's an inherent incredulous quality when you hear, and we, again, I, I will try not to specify when you hear Captain America essentially say that thing. And you just, you have to sort of realign your thinking. But I think from an acting standpoint, you see him, He's doing two things. He's confessing this thing. Yeah. So he's being very open about it and probably hasn't spoken about it in many years. He's confessing this thing, but of course he can't let himself just throw the floodgates open. Otherwise, it'll just be purely emotional and he'll just completely lose it. And so you see the character holding back while also uh, disclosing something. And I feel like you re I, I really got that tension there. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I think in a, in a bet with a better actor who has more of a range, it could have that scene could have hit hard and like it was supposed to hit, but that scene kind of just faded off to into nothing for me. And then it was just silly bits of dialogue. There, there, there are instances in here where there's bits of dialogue that probably on on paper don't work. They're really silly or they're really like uh, uh, B-movie-ish, but mm -hmm. they're supposed to work because of, of, of the direction and the emotional uh, uh, sequence and the uh, the tone of the situation and what – Whatever everything's come together and 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 uh, for that one piece of dialogue to work, and what I felt that I wasn't uh, I wasn't as invested in that point or in multiple there was multiple points when there was like some something played for laughs or like Octavia Spencer said something, you know, to get a rise out of something, and I just didn't. I was just kind of like, okay, okay, fine, fine, fine. I was totally not in the movie i was to i was just not involved in the movie and i'm telling you there's people next to me i took my girlfriend and she's not into sci-fi and she loved this movie i just wasn't into it it took me an hour yeah my wife it took me an hour to get into this yeah my wife loved it she she loved it and i really liked it but compared to to other people my response is relatively tepid but i did like that moment a lot and i think he he did yeah. a, a pretty good job i actually think and i don't want to talk too much about snoop because we're going to talk about it later on too, next week yeah but um i i do think that i almost think there's an in, there's a kind of intentionalness to casting chris evans in a role like this where he has to admit certain things and given the fact that he is kind of a 
all-American type guy, regardless of if he was already Captain America when he was brought into this film, or if he chose it specifically because he wanted to do an indie project or work with Bong Joon-ho or something like that. But I do think there's, I think there's some acknowledgement of the fact that he is, for all intents and purposes, Captain America, and he's playing this role in this very dark, apocalyptic, worlds-ended type film in matching the the juxtaposition between you know, those two things I, I think plays well in terms in, at least in how i how i viewed it and i do think chris evans is a solid actor i think that thank you okay speaking of which i saw a movie this week i saw begin again uh this is the film from uh john carney uh the director writer director of once uh there's this follow-up film uh, which stars mark ruffalo and kira knightley um uh, it's uh, Mark Ruffalo plays like a record label executive. Keira Knightley's this. She had a she had a boyfriend played by uh, Adam Levine. Adam, Leva- Adam Levine, um, and he's like a music star guy, and he became more popular. And he dumped his girlfriend along the way, so she's kind of lonely and in New York and singing her own songs. Mark Ruffalo finds her, and they're like, "We should make an album." Blah blah, blah and like happiness. Um, <laughs> I think the movie's all right. Um, I think it has some precious moments and some very nice moments that kind of diminish some of the the impact overall of what it's doing, but it's certainly like an enjoyable film. Like it's a it's a very easy watch and it has a nice soundtrack and the acting's fine. Like Mark Ruffalo is always real solid and I I like Kira Knightley more than uh, a lot of people seem to and it like it works for what it is. It's not as not as not nearly as good as Once I would say, but I mean it's still a it's a it's a decent watch. I would say. The question on everyone's mind is how was most deaf? Uh, Yasin Bey? Yes, Yasin Bey. <laughs> now, it said Yasin Bey in the opening credits, and I could not pl- – I was like, I know that name, but I cannot think of who that is. And then Most Def came out. I was like, oh, yeah. Right. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, most he's fine. I, I mean, I like I, – I think he's – I mean, he's not required to do much acting, really, but I think he's been better acting in other movies where he's, you know, had to act quite a bit. This is more of like Most Def showed up because he did us a favor along with CeeLo and uh, – Adam Levine's decent, I guess. He does his he does his work. So. But uh, cool. yeah, beginning. Has anyone else seen Begin Again? Have that? No. I saw it with a friend of the show, Adam Gentry. Actually, we're both kind of the same about it. It's like it's nice. Ag. Yeah, yes. <laughs> All right. So with that said, that's enough cookies. Tim. Let's move on now. Let's get to our trailer talk, where we talk about one of the newest trailers to hit the streets. And uh, when it's coming out and what have you. And this week we are talking about Ridley Scott's Exodus, Gods and Kings. This is the – now we've, got, we've had a couple of these this year. But this is another biblical epic film um, which takes place in the time of Moses and the pharaohs. And you have Christian Bale as Moses and obviously Joel Edgerton as Ramses. And from what I can tell, it's just another interpretation of the kind of the, the Exodus story, the Exodus of the Israelites from Egypt. And with all that said, let's go to uh, Tyler first. What did you think of the trailer for Exodus? Gods and Kings. Um, you know, I Gods really. Sorry. Yeah, let's be sure to say the whole thing every yeah. time. Yeah. Because that'll be, you know, really vital to the discussion. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't like to say things like meh um, because <laughs> I, I want to speak more in depth about things. Um, but uh, meh. <laughs> that one's one that we should keep on the show. <laughs> we, we can get Levitt off, and we can get enough set off. But meh, I like that. I don't like to. I don't like to say it, especially because I mean, if pressed, uh, I, I'm sure. I, which I guess maybe I am being now. Um, I, <laughs> no, I no, no, feel I, pressured I, at all. Okay, that's good. That's good. I really came into this podcast with no. 
no feeling <laughs> yeah, of tension at all. Don't, yeah, don't worry. Um, <laughs> that works. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it just honestly, uh, some of it, some of my my feeling has to do with the fact that uh, Ridley Scott directed it. That trailer could look amazing, which it doesn't. But that trailer could look amazing, and there'd be this thing in the back of my head that says, "Yeah, Ridley Scott is." Uh, not what he used to be, and these days he makes movies that are either forgettable or bad, or things that just have a, a very intriguing premise that never live up to it, and so in the execution. Mm-hmm. And so even if I thought this trailer looked amazing, uh, that would be in the back of my head. And so I like uh, the casting and I'm sure that some of the special effects will be great. I'm sure there'll be a really nice, especially the story being told. There's a, a definitely a nice spectacle to it that, that I think he will probably get right. But I, I have a feeling that uh, the emotional beats uh, just won't be there in spite of a good cast. So um, I don't know. It just, uh, I wanted to be excited about it, but I'm, I'm not really. Marcus. Um, yeah, I mean, okay. I'm not a huge, generally not a huge fan of the, like, these Old Testament adaptations, as I think they're pretty dry and stiff. I mean, I didn't really get a, a lot of the trailer, and, uh, I'm still thinking back to Noah, how much I hated that movie. <laughs> but, Aaron Paul is supposed to be in this? And I know that his career is probably on its last leg, so I I got to see him <laughs> before he stops becoming relevant. Like that Breaking Bad money is just like it's, yeah, it's, it's kind out. of yeah. it's drying up, man. <laughs> I saw him on some kind of like Xfinity commercial the other day, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's talking about how he's had the role. This is the exact commercial because I've seen it like eight times. <laughs> he's had a role of a lifetime, so he's been busy, and he holds up like a pile of scripts that he's reading. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Be sad if he's the customer for Xfinity. His name is like Jim's. Like, what do you guys have about Xfinity Unlimited? Like, mm. <laughs> he takes a break from uh, Need for reading Need for Speed Two to do the uh, tell us about Xfinity. So yeah, that's pretty much what I think. <laughs> that's your thought of the trailer. Okay. <laughs> Abe, I kind of like Tyler. I'm kind of uh, I'm half on board with Ridley Scott's works these days, primarily because I'm looking at this list of films that he's done in the past. Or his past films, and it's just, you know, some of them have been uh, misses on on per my uh, account, but for the most part, I I do like this story. I I do like the actors and everyone else involved. But yeah, really, this guy just kind of. Uh, I hope that this is a hit, and I'm really waiting for like the mashup of this movie and uh, When You Believe by Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston to just, you know. Somebody's going to make a music video for that on YouTube. I'm going to be like, yes, thank you. Thank you for doing all the hard work for me. Yeah, as far as the trailer goes, it's like, okay, that's a thing that's happening, I guess. I like, I, I kept wondering, like, wait, so who's Ramses? And it was like, oh, okay, it's, it's Joel Edgerton. That's, I guess. <laughs> the Australian guy. <laughs> yeah, well, Yul Brenner played Ramses in Ten Commandments. I don't really care about like, what, which, what, if, if Russian Yul Brenner can pull off Egyptian Pharaoh Ramses, then I think Joel Edgerton can pull off Ramses. And well. McClure could do it. Um, the, the biggest uh, concern I have is who's playing Aaron, of course, in the film, and I don't know who that is yet, um, since it's my namesake, so... <laughs> that's that's you know the word the, the words out on what that mystery is going to turn out to be so uh with that said i mean yeah really scott um so oh wait, I, I i guess i'm the only one that liked the counselor 
Does that just go without <laughs> saying? Yeah, yeah. It does go without saying. Yes. Yeah, there. Okay. Uh, I didn't. I didn't actually see it, but from what and, and I and I wanted to. I was but, the only uh, one that liked it. I'm the only. I know. One I know that, that some people they they respect it more than they like it, but they like it. They they respect it more from a, a script standpoint than a directorial standpoint. Yeah, I bought it on DVD. It has its uh, it has things in it that work in in the midst of a lot of things that don't. Spread out has pretty cool lines. With that said, I mean, looking at like. At, at, at Scott, at really Scott's kind of kind of epic films. I mean, the last one was what maybe Robin Hood, if you want to count that, which I was not a huge fan of. But before that, uh, there's Kingdom of Heaven, which I think is the top five, maybe top three film of really Scott's. So it's, I mean, if he's doing that again with more, whatever you want to call it, uh, supernatural or whatever aspects with the kind of the plagues and whatnot, I'm very curious to see what that's going to look like. And there's hints of that in the trailer where you have like the blood. And you have maybe darkness, and then you have a giant wave at the end. So it's like seeing seeing that spectacle at a really Scott film tends to excite me in certain ways. So I'm curious how that's going to play out. So that's where my interest mainly lies. That and oh, it uh, it won't. Okay, well that that <laughs> that, that that and then there's still who's playing Aaron. So I mean that's uh, things to look out for in this movie. Hashtag right. This seems like a thing that we could look up on some kind of website. I, I can't find it at all, or else I would know this already, and I'd be listening. Oh, maybe they just didn't. Uh, they have maybe every, they don't want him as a character. They have every other character name listed out <laughs> except Aaron. They have Ben Mendelsohn listed, but they don't say who's playing, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's that's the word. Um, he would give he would give us the creepy, uh, potentially insane Aaron that we all want, always wanted. Exactly. Who's also the best speaker? So he's like a he's a better speaker than Christian Bale, <laughs> who says nothing in the trailer, right? I don't think he's. A, does he say yeah, I'm, like, I'm like looking back and I'm like, I don't think he does say anything. He, does, hmm. he like holds maybe the sword. He says like a, maybe he says like a one word. He smiles a lot with his mustache. But uh. <laughs> anyway, Exodus: Colon, Gods of Kings comes out December 12th. This you know this late fall. So uh, wouldn't yeah. that be winter? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so winter starts on the 21st of December. Ah. <laughs> Learn your uh, your solstices. solstices. <laughs> I apologize, Star to, to all, to all, uh, to all science uh, listeners to the show. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on. That's uh, Exodus colon Gods and Kings. We'll see where that goes. Um, all right. So with all that out of the way, now let's get to our main film review for Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. should have been some of the trailer for Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. This is the sequel to the reimagining of the fourth film in the original Apes franchise, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, we now have apes making living on Earth, which has kind of lost its human population, or at least it's diminished significantly since of due to a virus. It's now ten years later. 
The ape leader, Caesar, played by Andy Serkis, is content with what they have built, but a surprise interaction with humans leads to friction, particularly with one of Caesar's closest advisors, Koba, who has an intense distrust and anger with humans. Uh, tensions continue to brew as we get something much more dangerous than the peaceful dawn for the Planet of the Apes. With all that said, Tyler, what is your relationship to the Apes franchise, and what did you think of this film? Uh, I'm a, I love the Charlton Heston Planet of the Apes. I think it's one of the best movies ever made. Uh, and then the, the subsequent films in, in that aspect of the franchise, uh, not all of them are great, but I always enjoy them. Uh, the Tim Burton film. Uh, so, And then Rise of the Planet of the Apes <laughs> uh, was way better than I expected. It, it's not, it wasn't perfect. I think there was some... There were some superfluous uh, plot lines and that sort of thing, but uh, but I, I really responded to it. I, I I'm reluctant to say this, but I really responded to the humanity in it, even though it's in the apes. Uh, and so I was looking forward to this one, and uh, I guess I won't talk about this one specifically uh, yet. But um, but yeah, by and large, I think as far as franchises go, I mean there have been a bunch of movies uh, that cover this material and with one very notable exception they've all been pretty at the very least interesting and so um so yeah i i'm a big fan of the franchise and i feel like this is at the very least a a very worthy entry in that franchise you can go into it a bit more for the thoughts on this film okay uh i responded to it here's the thing i wanted to love it in theory, I, I should want to love every movie, but that is not the case. Um, I, I, I'll say this. I had high expectations, that, and I was pretty confident that it would meet those. We saw some stuff uh, at WonderCon that I was very excited for. And, um, and in many ways, it did not disappoint. But there's, there's a couple of things that I, I feel like it was, it was lacking, specifically uh, in the ending. Uh, and I feel like tonally... Specific, especially with the ending, I feel like it doesn't necessarily fit into the rest of the franchise. It seemed a bit more, uh, a bit more user friendly than most sci uh, science fiction movies are, and it felt like not necessarily studio interference, but I think it's this idea of okay, how do we make a fatalistic? Because this this franchise is nothing if not fatalistic um how do we make a fatalistic blockbuster okay i think we got it and i, I think they found a, a pretty good balance of that but if you're somebody like myself who really wants to steer into the fatalism uh it, it was a little bit just a little bit unsatisfying but even within that the, the characters still sold it for me so my, my issues with it are, are fairly uh fairly small um, but I did have a couple issues with it here and there. Marcus? Um, with the, actually, uh, the Apes franchise in general, too. With the, well, what, what do I think about them? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm actually a big fan of the, the, the original series. Um, I like, yeah, they're, they're, some of them aren't as, as, as good as other ones, but they're always very interesting. Um, the Tim Burton one is, I guess everybody said everything they were going to say about that. Uh, I was a big fan of the last one, The Rise, and um, and in this one, talking about this one, look, uh, there's a couple things actually. I I really really enjoyed this one. 
um, from the first few minutes when uh, there was no humans at all. And it was just uh, uh, we were just watching apes signing back and forth. And I realized I could watch an entire movie of just apes signing back and forth. I realized that I was having just a really great time and it didn't let up uh, from that point. I think the movie's filled with a bunch of wow moments. And what I mean by that is I was so blown away by the visuals and, and then the script and the storytelling and the, and the, 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 the uh, direction that I was literally saying, wow, out loud, at least a dozen, at least a dozen times throughout uh, my viewing experience. Um, there were a couple of hiccups, I think, but they can be forgiven. I, I think there was, there's kind of a, um, what do you call it? A miraculous resurrection kind of thing that happens, but mm -hmm. I forgave it. Um, it, it did, it did garner some audible groans in the audience. So people were like, oh, come on, really? Okay. <laughs> and then people just kind of forgot about it. And then the ending is kind of there's a I didn't have so much a, a problem with the ending is there was a speech like right before the ending is it's kind of like that rocky for like before I can change you can change kind of tone <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that was kind of like uh okay eye rolling but <laughs> with all that I just I really loved it well and and one last thing actually I don't know if I'm the only one that thinks this but the reason that I think the reason that this this movie and and Rise of the Planet of the Apes work so well is not necessarily uh, so much the visuals or 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 the the um, uh, the overall entertainment factor. I think it's more of the fact, and I don't know how to explain this all that well, but I think it's more of the fact that we're watching apes riding horses, shooting guns. And talking, and not for one second did it come off as campy or goofy, or that there were serious moments when it could have come off as really cheesy. And I remember these same kind of serious moments coming off in in a Tim in the Tim Burton movie, which was they threw money at that too, and it came off as really cornball and horrible and bad and just eye rolling. People were laughing, and this one there were those moments, but nobody was laughing. The 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 audience that I was with was totally silent in the moments that were really gripping and was w when uh, apes begin to shoot guns, people were actually like, you could tell that they were like fearful. This was like, they were really, this was like a visceral experience for them. So I think that that is the reason that the, go the, the, the campiness and goofiness is totally not there is the reason why this is such a great movie. It's a point I'd like to get back to, but Abe, your thoughts on the, the film? I know you're not a you're not a big um, apes aficionado. Well, I, mean, I just haven't watched any of the original stuff. I, I started with the Tim Burton stuff, which was not good. But you did and live then, with apes in Africa for several years. I did, okay. yeah. <laughs> I, I did do that. Uh, you can check that out on my YouTube page. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I love the musical. Uh, and... <laughs> And uh, I, I was a big fan of uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, and also I, I did like Don Planet of the Apes. I did think that there were some faults in it. Um, I, I, I don't think I'm as crazy about it as, uh, as some others, um, partly because I think that there's a lot in it that I needed to see probably again. Um, one of the things I did like about it is... What, the, what were you doing instead the first time? 
I was paying attention to all of the people in the audience, I guess. I don't know. Um, but I did want to see it again just because there, I think there's a lot of story to be told and I just, I don't think I captured all the, or all of the intricacies and all of the illusions and similes and metaphors and whatever else. Um, but what I did like about it is that it, I love the, the parts where they're just, it's just about the apes and the human stuff. When it comes in, it kind of feels like it's a little bit shoehorned in sometimes. And it's just like, well, they've got to do this because they've got to go and get a dam working. And then it's like, and the parallels between father and son um, was uh, was like okay, well, I guess that this is interesting. Um, but I liked it. I liked the uh, the aspects that they had to go with with regard to um, moving a society along, because Caesar is in charge of this community and he's just basically thinking that apes will be peaceful always and forever. Um, but there's always going to be factions, and you kind of saw that in Rise of the Planet of the Apes with regard to some of the characters, some of the ape characters in that one, which is just, hey, some of these guys are a little bit more vicious, and even though I can tame them, they may or may not be um, as, uh, or they may not always be there. Um, but I did enjoy all the aspects of what the apes were talking about uh, when you have to read it in subtitle, because they use a lot of uh, uh, sign. sign language, right? And so... It's actually, there's some very poignant moments and some very serious uh, things that they bring up there. But on the whole, I mean, I did enjoy it a lot, and I think that there was... Um, I, I just didn't like some of the, the human characters as much. I um, I basically love this movie. I, I think I think there's a, there's a tendency to, you know, not be... At least in my part, there's a tendency to not be necessarily impressed by effects these days, just because you somewhat expect the effects to be good in a lot of these kind of spectacle films that have huge budgets. It's like, well, yeah, of course... Of course, Optimus Prime looks amazing. It's a big summer blockbuster. Like, I'm not, like, wowed by this necessarily, or at least not, like, going into the movie thinking, man, I hope the Transformers look good, or I hope the X-Men look well. Like, it's it's not something I think about too much. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, I think there's... Along with the incredible work that Weta is doing in making these apes come to life, it, it there's the that acting aspect that really shines through. Like, it's it's beyond just, like, Andy Serkis, like, and, you know, the gang... Uh, showing up to put on suits and you know and monkey around for a couple hours, they um they're doing like legit acting in these movies, and it really, I really saw that here. I that Andy Serkis has a level of control over the Caesar character that comes from the face, which is captured in his performance and his movements and the way he speaks versus signs and that and with uh, with Toby Kebbell who even I are big fans of actually as Kaiba yeah, rock and roll himself I think that the the kind of the Shakespearean drama at play between yes. Caesar and Koba <laughs> and Blue Eyes and you know the various other ape characters with, with except Rocket who I guess is underused if I had to like look at the apes and like the ones that we don't really see much of like Rocket He's getting old Well I mean we there's there's a thing that happens in this movie that involves someone close to Rocket and we never see Rocket's reaction to that, and I was like, hmm, that's, that's, that seems like a missed opportunity. But with that said, there's so much, like, getting back to my point, the, the acting going on here with these eight characters, I think, is so fascinating, and so, like, I'm so, I'm so empathetic towards them that it just, it just, it really, it really captured me. It really took me into this movie more and more. I, it's enough for me to kind of forgive some of the lumps that happen with the human stuff, which isn't, like, bad. Like, it's, they're, it's not so much that I feel like humans are shoehorned in, like you said, Abe. I just think they're secondary characters very much on purpose. And you're not, they're not giving 
humans a ton. They're not giving these characters like a ton to do because who cares? It's like it's it's about the Planet of the Apes. It's about Caesar and it's about Cola. They they are the main characters. Jason Clark's around as Malcolm and he's fine because he's Jason Clark. He's a good actor. But like Gary Oldman, we don't need to see a bunch of him because he's Gary Oldman. He can make the little scenes that he has work and be fine with that. Like he's not a, dim- a hugely dimensional character, so I don't really need to see like full arcs on him or Carrie Russell or Cody Smith McPhee, like any of these other <laughs> actors. And which is a shame because then you just have some characters like the one this this is a character played by uh, this actor Kirk Acevedo who's just he solely exists to be like a terrible human and just do nothing yeah. cause nothing but trouble and you get like a throwaway line of why he's around still because he's the only one that can make something work but yeah. it's just like writing a character like that in just seems so irritating because. It's like, we need drama to happen this way. But with that said, the rest of this movie has so much drama and, you know, plot turns that take place because of misunderstandings of things and places that come from within these characters, such as Kova, who has a certain relationship to humans that's way different than Caesar and that allows them to take different actions because of said things. And I really like seeing that play out mixed with the great action that comes on display here, because I think Matt Reeves has a great handle on how to depict this ape versus human action and the world that's been created here of this kind of post-apocalyptic San Francisco. Like, I think it's just all really well done. And for a summer spectacle film such as this, I I really enjoyed seeing a movie like this versus other ones that play things not as wisely, I would say. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I don't think that the humans, uh, they basically have to show the humans, I guess, just because they have to show them and have to show the other side of humanity and what's going on. But I don't think that they were terrible. I just think that they just didn't have a lot to do, like what you had said. I mean, Gary Oldman, I was like, he's in here for like three scenes, and I don't really care. And I just want to get back to the, the ape drama and Jason Clark and Carrie Russell and that one kid. I was just like, I, I don't really care about any of these people. Yeah, but I don't think any of that's slowing the film down either. I don't think there's too much of them to be like, man, where's the apes coming back? Because these scenes are going on for a long time. Like, I never had that thought. It's like, I think there's there's a lot of ape drama here that just works. Yeah. You had mentioned the, um, the Julius Caesar aspect of it. I really like that aspect a lot of it. It's, it's almost poetic to some degree. And yeah. I was just thinking to myself, meh. I could really go along with this. I really see the, the, the growth of some of these characters and the wisdom of some of them and just the, the nature of some of them. So for the most part, I, that's actually one of my callbacks. Yeah, I mean, the the, the, the storytelling aspect of this, I, I love the action sequences and you know, they're, they're great. But the storytelling aspect of this, I think, supersedes everything. A lot of it. A lot of it. It's, it's fabulous. I th- the story works just really well. It's it's poetic. It's it's uh, uh, like Greek tragedy style stuff. So it, it just worked really well. It was really well put together. Tyler, you said you had some bumps along the way. You want to go into what you thought? Uh, just um, <clears throat> yeah, and and the fact that I I have so few really emphasizes just how solid the film is. You know, you mentioned the the story. I one of the things that I like is how generally lean the story is it's mm-hmm. very it's very simple as it should be there's not the nature of the world uh of planet of the apes is that uh is that a lot of the distractions a lot of the complexity has been removed um ape society is uh simple not simplistic but it's simple and so 
And it's only when humans get involved that things start to get complicated. And so I, I feel like the, the plot reflects that. A lot of the a lot of the extraneous things from Rise of the Planet of the Apes get stripped away, leaving only this essential uh, conflict. And so I, I really responded to that. But, yeah, just a couple of things here and there is that um, I do think that uh, this film is, I would venture to say at this point, the absolute height of motion capture technology. I, I don't think, I can't think of a movie that does it better. This is so spot on with the special effects and how much, comes through of the actor's performance uh i mean we're a mere 10 years ago uh which of course is an eternity in in terms of technology but you know 10 years ago motion capture was criticized for for uh the actors losing their humanity especially in the eyes and it's worth noting the film literally starts with eyes that look great Mm -hmm. um and so that looks amazing but what's interesting that looks so amazing that when you see computer effects that aren't motion capture, they don't look too great. That bear, a bear shows up early in the film and it doesn't look convincing to me. Um, and so, uh, that, and of course that is a very small thing, but if anything, that underlines just how great this other bit of, of visual effects is. And, and from a, from a uh, an Academy Award standpoint, uh, I mean, I'm sure that there are other movies that that will definitely be making a play for the visual effects Oscar. But I think this this one maybe deserves it just because yeah. because the the special effects are so linked to the character, which is just, you know something that people said about Lord of the Rings and, and Gollum. But this, I think, even more so than that because you know they do. It, I forget who said it, but I never questioned the reality that was being presented to me, and that is worth noting. Like you said, we, we're seeing apes with machine guns on horses, and at no point did I think it was silly. I always bought it, and that's a function of mm-hmm. tone. I think Matt Reeves creates a really believable world and a tone that I – that I could get on board with. And then of course the actors really do a good job of selling it. Uh, any problems that I might have, uh, I do think I'm, I'm a bit torn on what I'm about to say. I feel like the the inclusion of humans and the way they're incorporated into the story feels a little perfunctory almost as, especially Carrie Russell and Cody Smith McPhee. Um, not that they're, not that their performances are bad, but just this, the the beats that the characters have to play, they either need one more scene of development or none at all. They took our guns. If one of us dead, we'd be dead already. They really just taking their time. They already killed off half the planet already. Come on. What? You can't honestly blame the apes. Who the hell else am I going to blame? It was a simian flu. It was a virus created by scientists in a lab. The chimps they were testing on didn't really have a say in the Spare matter. me the hippie dippy bullet. You're telling me you don't get sick to your stomach at the side of them? Huh? Because as it is now, it just feels like, ah, we haven't given these characters anything. Here, do this. And that's kind of it. Uh, Jason Clark and Gary Oldman, I think they both, I think they give uh, plenty to their characters so that we know who they are. And one thing that I do like is that Gary Oldman's character is not seen as just a straight-up 
hawk. He's not a, a, a villain who's just looking to kill people. He's yeah. he's just out to protect his own people, and uh, and he hasn't had any interaction with the apes, and so it makes sense that he would be a little bit more, um, for lack of a better term, closed-minded in regards to the apes. And so, and also, he in many ways, he's got reason to be. They do show themselves to be pretty dangerous, eventually. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so I, I do feel like the, the human aspect felt a little rushed, if not forced. And, and I will go back to uh, perfunctory. It seemed obligatory. Like, well, we can't, obviously, we can't watch these apes the whole time. So let's get some people in there. And that feels a little wrong to me, but maybe this is where I'm torn. Maybe it feels right. We are watching a trans, a, a world in transition from humans to apes. Apes are now the main attraction in the film, and right. humans are still there, and so they should be acknowledged. But honestly, they're not that important. And so, in that in that sense, the tone the the film takes on the tone of of the world itself where yeah. humans wind up being, they're still there, but they're kind of an afterthought. Um, so I actually kind of got myself on board with, with, uh, something that I viewed as, as a flaw. Just to get to that point you just made, it makes me curious how I know that there will be another film in this cause they're just, they're making, it's making tons of money and they've already kind of greenlit the Matt Reeves has signed on to doing the film, but it, Something that I, I, I'm curious how a third film is going to play out if it's, if it's going to reduce humans even more to just being like figures that are fighting apes and just like faceless essentially. Because something I think Rise did maybe not like entirely pulled off to a great degree, even though I did love, I did really like Rise. And I, I think it it had a, a nice way of shifting the balance from James Franco and the humans that you're you're following for the most part of that movie up until Caesar gets imprisoned into the ape sanctuary place and then it becomes his movie and i think this this film is kind of the next stage in that where you're following caesar from the get-go but you still have a human presence there and so it makes me wonder if they're gonna if they're if they're gonna trilogize this or if they're gonna make you know even more films after three but seems to be three is the magic number for hollywood these days i'm curious if it's just gonna like diminish humans even more i i I for an interesting path for a trilogy of films i hope they do i hope they do i i was like i was saying in the first the first 10 minutes 15 10 minutes of this film has no humans at all and i was enjoying it and those are really interesting scenes and it was just all sign language. I don't know if anybody's going to have the balls to do that. I don't know if, you know, the, you know, uh, 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 production would step in and go, no, no, we have to have something, whatever. But I was really connecting with these apes like I was supposed to. But right. I could have done a whole, like, if the, if, the, if the next movie comes out and it's, there's a few humans and they don't even speak, I would be fine. And, and actually, one of the things that I wanted to bring up in, uh, basically Tyler's point was just I did get that sense too where basically apes are in the forefront now humans are kind of taking a backseat if not extinct right and that's kind of what they showed toward the end of the scene there where Jason Clark kind of just goes off in the shadows Caesar looks back he's just not there it's, yeah. it's almost like a metaphor right it's like or it's a, it's it's the reality of the present world which is sorry guys like it's our time now you guys had yours I have to add that I continue to think orangutans look freaking fantastic in the movies. <laughs> they like, do, I, yeah. I, I, it's hard to believe oh, that these yeah. are just not real. Like, yeah. and and there was a point where Maurice, the head, basically the Tom Hagen of this series, um, <laughs> he, he sees his consigliere. Yes. Um, he 
there's a point where I was really worried for the state of his being, and I was going to be very upset with the film if something happened a different way. Yes. <laughs> he was very – he's he's very much like the old father figure kind of, you know, that that figure. And you're really – when, when he is in that point, and I know the exact point where you're talking about, I was – I felt everybody, not only me, but everybody in the room was just like, oh, wow, like, please don't. There had been a bunch of killings before that, but at that point, everybody in the room was like, oh, please don't let it go this far. Like, please, something's got to happen now because it, this character is in peril. And it comes and, you're going to have to watch the movie to find out what Marcus is talking about. Yeah, I don't want to give too much away, but. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I was about to be specific. Uh, it does seem, though, that when the character is in peril, uh-huh. um, from a dramatic standpoint – okay, and this this actually goes to what I'm saying about the film holding back a little bit maybe uh, in the spirit of being a blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Um, there's really not a lot that happens that we as the audience wouldn't want to happen. You know, that character is in peril and we – we don't want to see anything bad happen to him, but, and then it doesn't. Sorry, I, I feel like that's not a spoiler because there's uh, other characters, but there's other there's multiple. I mean, this this event doesn't happen until I mean thirty minutes till the end, almost the end, right? Right. So where there's tons of things that are killed, people that are killed, smashing. There's a uh, a scene where somebody gets thrown off a balcony and those weren't nearly as emotionally because I didn't have any emotional ties to 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 those people like I did for some reason with or to those apes that I did to the Maurice character. And the Maurice character doesn't necessarily it's not like he's presented as a main character. He's this very secondary character. He's he's as much of a character as as you know, somebody who's getting thrown off a balcony or somebody who's getting this and that and the other thing. But you, you, you felt in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the theater that if this character, if something bad happens to this character, that it was just like people were going to be very upset, like visibly upset. A reminder that that sound means we're going to talk about some spoilers right now. If you don't want to listen to it, feel free to skip ahead. And now, Back to the show with spoilers. Uh, yeah, the thing about okay, so Maurice, the way I uh-huh. I see the character is that he's Piggy from Lord of the Flies. Okay. Um, in That's that, very, yeah, yeah, he is one of the only apes, not one of the only ones, but he is very loyal to Caesar, and Caesar is loyal to him because he understands that he's wise, he's older, he's seen a lot of things, and that he's not naive, but he's also not Koba either. He is. Kind of, he is in many ways the voice of reason, which is why. Okay, so I'm going to speak in full on spoilers here. Put it wherever you need to. Okay. okay. Um, this goes to what I'm talking about. We all know where this ends. Yeah. It ends with humans being Extinct, even more diminished than they already are. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we also know that it ends with apes enslaving humans. Okay. That is not something Caesar would do. It is something Koba would do, and we already start to see it. But that's the thing. Not only do they not uh, kill Maurice, mm-hmm. I mean they they kill Ash, and that is and that scene is great. That yes. scene is really powerful. Even though, yes. like you said, I didn't have the emotional connection to that character that I did to Maurice, but 
that's a killing of the innocent. But I feel like if they had taken out Maurice as well, first off, it would I think it would have really at that point justified Caesar's anger. Um, it, it was pretty well justified already. But hey, in that I mean, moment, he did, he did see Maurice like get shot. It's like, oh yeah. no, my buddy. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but yeah, think I about it. Yeah, think yeah, of the yeah. think of the gut punch that would happen if Maurice died, and then we uh, and then first off, it would motivate Caesar uh, to genuinely kill Koba. But the thing that gets me is we all know where this is going to go. Yeah. And then the minute Koba shoots Caesar, which I thought was, again, very powerful moments. All of these are very good. Mm -hmm. But it seems to me that I thought, holy shit. Oh, sorry. Are we not allowed to swear? Spoiler territory, so it's fine. Okay. (laughs) And I just thought, like, holy shit. They're, they're, They're going for it. They're killing Caesar. And now Koba... A guy who hates humans, now he's in charge. This is this is how this is how it would happen. Okay. One guy, one ape, organizes the apes, teaches them things, and then another one completely uh, takes them in another direction. One that we all know we are headed. And the fact that it didn't do that, they kill Koba, and it's viewed as a moment of triumph. They keep Maurice alive. They miraculously resurrect Caesar. Like all of these things point to a much more crowd pleasing aspect as opposed to what we all know Planet of the Apes actually is. The first film, uh, by which I mean the Charlton Heston film, um, I mean, that ends with a realization that things are so much worse than we think they're going to be. This ends with. Uh, I mean, there's there's a nice moment between uh, Jason Clark and and, uh, and yeah. Caesar, uh, in which they're both acknowledging that they they wanted things to be better and they thought they could be. That's a nice moment, but compared to compared to where I think this film should have gone, and maybe the next film will go in that direction. But they killed Koba. They had a really really great instrument for bringing on this brutal situation for humans and they killed him because that's the instinct we have to kill the villain and i feel like they just keep sort of i'll use a a political term uh they keep kicking the can down the road Uh, sorry it's a political euphemism um they keep kicking the can down the road because i think there's this in there's this i would say studio instinct that says all right we can't kill all the humans because people won't like that i know we have to get there but we don't have to do it yet so let's just do this and then we'll yeah. be fine. And so it just it feels like it goes it gets so close to everything that that these films should be and then it takes a step back before it really goes all the way. I think and that's, that's something a, that frustrates me. I think that's a justifiable way to look at it, but at the same time the way I can the way I can best explain it is at the end of the day it is a summer movie and for a beat for this movie, what we're watching already, it's really dark. Like the movie begins with a montage of us watching humanity die. Yeah. And then we get nothing but, you know, there's very little humor in this movie. It's a very stark picture. And yeah. you're not, you're not presenting, the movie's not presenting us with much to really latch onto in terms of entertainment beyond the sight of certain visuals and a certain freedom of ape, of watching ape kind do things such as, you know, having gun-blazed action sequences or interacting in ways that, like, make you smile a bit because you're like, oh, that's neat how they're doing that kind of thing. And so you, if you get to an, an ending of a film where 
your ostensible lead, your lead character that you like and respect and really want to see the piece come out. Like you want to see all these things happen. And then you take that away from us. And instead you place this tyrannical leader in power who has nothing but hatred in his heart. I think that's a hard place to walk out of a film and, and like, and want to see more of that film. I think yeah, it, and I, 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 I get, I mean, I, it's a, this it's is, a, yeah, this is on me uh, yeah. completely. It's uh, because it is a summer movie. And, when you compare it to other summer movies, it's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Um, and my takeaway on that is just to, before we take away from the subject, my takeaway on that was just Koba has he had some followers, so I was thinking there could still be dissent within the group. Well, there has to be. I mean, if they're making yeah. sequels of this movie, yeah. you can't. It's not just going to be all sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and so like that's kind of that's kind of where I left off, which is what I alluded to earlier, which is just. Now you, there's no one unity. There's some factions now, so uh, there can't be all just Caesars in charge and everything's so hum always and great. Yeah, I, yeah, I think this the only way this would have worked if it was uh, uh, if the, with the dark ending uh, is if it was some, some kind of trilogy. If it was doing like a Lord of the Rings ish thing, but I think they're gonna go. They're gonna melt this for all it's worth. Right? They're gonna yeah. have more. This is gonna. They're gonna have probably like five. Or six, I'm guessing, or as many as the uh, we'll people see. will tolerate. Yeah. You know, and, and Tyler, it's not like I, do, I don't, I don't not respect the idea that you have for war. This could potentially go if it went a certain route. Like I certainly think, yeah, that'd be interesting. I would, I would, you know, that's a, that's it a could, way to it go. It could always still go there. If, yeah, it could. Yeah, and if like Caesar did die now with that you know, with the Caesar thing. I don't know what everyone else thought, but I never thought Caesar was dead for a second. Like I saw him get shot. No, in the I, sho- I, I saw him get shot in the shoulder and fall into the bushes. Like it's like he's not dead. Like he'll yeah. come back. Like I never. I, it's not based on any trailers or anything. It's just basic kind of movie yeah. logic in my eyes, where I saw yeah. him get shot in the shoulder and fall down. Like that didn't imply I, th- I thought I thought he had died, uh, but I, because they they address it really quickly, they do it. They address it really quickly. After that, and they go, 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 because everything's on fire and this and that and the other thing. And I kind of forgot about it. And then when that scene happens, uh, when they find him, it's just like you could hear people go, oh, really? He's what? Okay. (laughs) His eyes were open the whole time, and now he just rolls them around, and now he's just miraculously okay. And, you know, I get it. That's more of like Hollywood going, hey, you know, we can't – we have another hour of this movie. You can't just downer everybody in the room. You know, you got to – have some kind of uplifting something. When they did show that scene, though, for the first, you know, like 30 milliseconds, I was like, oh, he is dead. And then it's like, oh, okay, well, yeah. no, he's, he's yeah. not. Yeah. Okay. And I was like, where of, are they going to go? A couple of things, and one of them, uh, I'll, run, I'll run something by you, but I'll get to that in a moment. Um, let me ask you this. So, well, okay, the, sorry, the asking is in a moment. Okay. What I'll say is that... Um, that idea of they could end this dark if this were uh, a trilogy, mm-hmm. that is not the nature of this story. Like I said, whatever the next movie is, and they could make five, six, whatever, whatever the last one is, that's the dark one. That's the one where humans are now slaves and apes don't care. Yeah. And they just take well, it as well, granted. That's, well, was- oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I said, but with big budget, there has to be a promise of – in somewhere along the line, right, you have you have 12 Hobbit movies, right? And it's somewhere along the line, it has to end with some kind of redemptive something or whatever or else nobody's going to back this movie. Now, with this, if it was a trilogy and this one ended on a dark note, 
the last one's going to end on some kind of redemptive note. For somebody, we're going to care more about the apes and the humans, whatever it is, right? But we're not going to care about the bad apes. We're going to care about the good apes. So with, for this to 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 not be a uh, uh, end in the next one, I think there had to it had to end with some kind of redemptive good apes win over bad apes, and now we're going to build a society, and maybe the bad apes come back and rise and whatever whatever happens. I have no clue what's going to happen next. In all honesty, it's kind of been changed around. I I do have some kind of clue, but it's been changed around so much that I wouldn't be surprised if anything happened. You know. And I feel like that's that's the thing is like, and I mean, you just went on the journey yourself. Is they could have a thing where the good apes win, but then maybe the bad apes take over, and they could have the they can have that back and forth from movie to movie, which is understandable yeah. and it's dynamic and that's fine. Eventually, we do arrive at a at a place where. <clears throat> Humans are slaves and sometimes lobotomized if they're too smart. Like that is where we're ending. Unless, of course, we want to just – and it's possible that we're just throwing out the original franchise and doing this as a new thing. That is coming from assumption that we are going to tie it into (laughs) the plotting of the original Planet of the Apes movie. We really don't know. Uh, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, But I do think – but. And so I feel like that's that's the thing is that I, I think that's maybe what I wanted from this movie and maybe they'll do it in another movie is they'll have the full war. But I feel like they're going to – I don't know. I feel like the way it ended, I feel like we're not going to see the war. I think we're going to wind up seeing the aftermath of that, which is something that – again, it's just – as a science fiction fan, which – and science fiction tends to uh, lack a certain amount of heart um, – I think I I always prefer I, I don't like darkness for darkness sake but if this is where we're headed then in my opinion summer movie or not and of course I say that it is a summer movie and so it does have there are certain expectations but uh for me it's a situation where we should have had the more cynical ending but here comes the question mm-hmm. um uh, the character Blue Eyes, is that Caesar's son? That's Caesar's son, yes. Okay, I couldn't figure out his name for the longest time. Um, so, okay, here, here's a possible compromise between what the film was and what I wanted it to be. And that's that both Caesar and Koba die, and Blue Eyes takes over, and he's kind of the mixture of the two. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about the idea of that? Actually... That's kind of where I thought it was going to go if Caesar had died because exactly uh, yeah because Koba comes to the, or I'm sorry Blue Eyes comes to the realization like wow Koba is really destructive and yeah. there's so much hate in his heart like what his father said and I don't agree with everything that's going on and oh look over there there's Maurice what the f-? Yeah. so uh, I thought that that's kind of where it was going to go where it's like hey look I'm gonna I'm gonna take out Koba I will I will become the new ape leader because I'm showing that I'm the alpha and. And then I will rule with uh, great authority and yeah. kind of like a lot of compassion toward the apes, but a, a lot of uh, maybe not so great um, compassion toward humans. Yeah, and, he, he didn't even – he was being very submissive towards Kobe. He saw all this stuff going on, but he's very, very submissive. He was going to follow him until he saw his father again, and then he mm-hmm. drops the gun, right? It was well, going to play out – if Caesar had been dead, it was going to play out that he would have been a mixture of both of them. Because I think it actually happens earlier where his humanity kicks in, which is like, all right, well, well when he Caesar sees, would when he sees Koba throw Ash over exactly, the balcony. Exactly, yeah. Like, <laughs> Ash is like, Caesar wouldn't want this. He's like, all right, yeah, you're right. And then let me just kill my own son 
And then he's just like, again, no, he, no, it's, it's Rocket's son. Oh, Rocket's son. Which is, again, why I was like, where's Rocket in all this? Like, I feel like I should have oh, seen yeah. the scene of Rocket, like, you know, being very upset about the death of his child. Yeah. But, um, as far as that question, I mean, Blue, Blue Eyes, I think, is a very... What I like about Blue Eyes, the, the character, is that he is a person that's... Or a person. He is a... <laughs> He is an ape that he he he's physically even a look between Koba and and um, Caesar where he has these scars from this bear yeah. now mixed with his kind of obviously he looks like he looks like his father and it's I think there's something very that's why I love these ape characters so much there's so much interesting stuff going on not just in like hey look how great they look but the the way they're written and the way the story progresses with them where you have blue eyes being influenced coming from a perspective that hasn't seen humans ever because he was born into a life where humans have already fallen. And so he has only stories that have been told to him probably by Koba and by Caesar. And he sees both sides of humanity. He sees the evil, not evil, but he sees the kind of war driven Dreyfus character. And he sees the, you know, peaceful living Malcolm character. So he has so much going on in his head in terms of how to handle all of this. And yes, I would agree that it'd be, I'll be curious if the sequels go that way. They have to, because Caesar can't live forever. To see how Blue Eyes kind of develops in this world, and would it have been nice to see, or would it have been a better film maybe to see like Caesar have died and Blue Eyes is the one that fights back at Coba, and at the end of the day he's the leader of the apes. Sure. Um, will it be interesting to see where it goes from here? I think so. That's kind of given the strength of these both both these first two apes movies. I can only imagine that brunch of the planet of the apes or whatever they want to call it is the um is another you know amalgamation of really cool ideas within this summer blockbuster that's going to probably be dark because he meant it's still post-apocalyptic but we right. still have like a lot of very interesting ideas and whatnot like it's i i have i have nothing but like hopes for this for this continual very franchise. much so especially after the second entry into the the reboot it's like wow i cannot wait to see where this goes and I feel like that's what one of the things that I'm happy with is that they really did develop the character of Blue Eyes because, like you said, Caesar can't last forever. Um, and so as the series progresses, I do think uh, – well, I don't know if I think this will happen. I think this is what they should do is Blue Eyes comes to power, and though he has his father's philosophies, they are different people. Blue Eyes is more impulsive. Um, and he's more driven by his emotions. And so you could see sort of the the Michael Corleone or the Anakin Skywalker uh, arc come along and you see someone who who means well, but then circumstances cause them to maybe rule a little harsher and then a little harsher. And then before you know it, we are into a, a, a bad situation. And I feel like <clears throat> I mean, there is something of a precedent for main accessible mainstream films having that that negative character arc and i feel like the character of blue eyes with koba gone certainly i feel like he could be a really dynamic character and a symbol for the for ape society and just the the journey that it's going on and being and going back and forth between uh how it views humans and and how it's going to react to humans and that sort of thing. So uh, I feel like, uh, I don't know, I, I am also optimistic about uh, the series. I will say that, and again, this is just me. I, I'm, I'm really looking for some solid, almost heartbreaking uh, fatalism in the series and i feel like 
if it doesn't really happen with the next one, uh, I don't think I'll be out. I think I'll still watch them if they continue being as at least as good as this one. But I feel like I feel like part of me wants a commitment on the part of the series that this is going to go in a direction that won't instinctively be happy for me as a human. Um, but that's that's my own issue. I think the the only way I can I can see that happening. I I mean. Honestly, I can see that happening, but just because Donald the Planet of the Apes, based on box office, it looks like the place this is going to be a, a huge hit. Like it made seventy three million in this first weekend. Yeah, it doesn't have like it in a, in a summer that's that's doing you know fine, but not like it's not. We're not you know movies aren't making like tons of money like Gangbusters. There's certainly certainly ones that you know should be making more compared to some that are making too much. But like Dawn of the Planet of the Apes looks like it's breaking out as a sequel as far as compared to Rise goes. Um, and with yeah, that I'm said, very happy yeah. that it's doing so well. And along with that, Matt Reeves is a huge fan of the Planet of the Apes franchise. That's why he kind of took on this project. And I'd like to think that if if Don is a big enough success, and with Matt Reeves continuing to be involved in it, along with the writers, I assume, I'd like to think that he would have more control over how to shape where the franchise goes from here. With that said, Don does end dark. Like it, I mean, it, for what it is, I wouldn't say it's you know the. It's it's not necessarily a happy ending beyond certain characters you like survive, but Planet of the Apes has a has a has a franchise history of not having happy endings at all. Um, some more than others. Beneath the Planet of the Apes immediately comes to mind. Um, yeah. But with this one, it ends on the brink of a war between apes and humans, where humans are on the way, and there's going to be probably a lot more casualties than we've already seen. I can I can only hope, not necessarily hope because I you know I don't need to see nothing but destruction. But I like to think that the movies are going to continue down a similar path to the previous ones in the franchise, where they all end in a kind of darker manner as opposed to a happier manner, and just continue not necessarily with that cynicism in mind, but at least a way that fits within the franchise of not like copping out, which I wouldn't say this film does, but it 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 has a way of having having both sides of it, where it still manages to be a film that audiences around the world can walk out thinking that was an entertaining time and i saw some good stuff that mixed with some cool ideas while also like yeah there was it was dark at times and it had mm -hmm. it went certain places maybe not to a full extent as some others such as yourself tyler or others that might have you know wanted more from the true consequences of all the situation play out but it's at least it tried it got to a certain level i should probably look at this the way i look at um the Nolan Batman movies yeah. where the themes that are explored have been explored more fully in other films, but those films are not summer blockbusters. And so I should just be happy that it goes as far as it does, given what it is at this point, summer blockbusters almost is almost its own genre um, just as much as science fiction or anything else. And so I feel like, I should uh, tailor my expectations uh, accordingly. But it is also one of those things. But I am also a film fan, and I don't. Uh, and so I'm a bit. Uh, and I'm a big fan of the original franchise. And so there's still that lingering in the back of my head. Yeah, and at the end of the at the end of the day, it is it is hard to kind of admit that you just can't get that thing. I mean, it, as you said, summer blockbuster is essentially a genre of itself, and it's it's hard to kind of to aspire to want it to do something more than it's capable of but with that said i do think dawn of the planet of the apes comes comes very it, i mean it's just really good sci-fi in my eyes i mean it's yeah. it, it 
compared to an era like the 70s where so many big ideas were present, you can do a lot more things and experiment. In a time like this where everything's so cookie cutter, regardless of how entertaining it might be, I do like that Don does have ambitions that extend beyond certain patterns, even if there are some obligatory moments or perfunctory characters at play. All right. <laughs> With all that said, actually, real quick, just one last thing, because uh, Giacchino's score, Michael Giacchino's score, I, re- I enjoyed it, and it had some playful nods to the original Planet of the Apes oh, yeah. that I yes. enjoyed quite a bit. Cause I, I forgot like, to cause, mention that. That was Jerry, really good. This is something I mentioned in the commentary for our Planet of the Apes uh, movie commentary track as well, is that uh, Jerry Goldsmith's more, I love it. I love that score so much, and so I was happy to see some... Some some little notes there that are like, huh, yeah. this is this is pretty clever. I like what that's yes. so I have that in my notes. I wanted to bring that up real quick. Okay. <laughs> with all that said, um I feel like we all want to we'd all say we should see this movie now, I think if we had to rate this movie, yeah. right? So <laughs> yes. um pretty much. So let's just skip past the rating. I think we got that. I think I think we're all pretty, <laughs> pretty we're pretty, pretty we're real fond of Planet of the of Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Um, I know Tyler and I we saw it in the same theater. We saw it in three D. Did you guys see it in three D? I did not. I watched it in regular 2D. Was 3D worth it? It's shot in 3D, and I think it plays around with the perspective, the depth of, the depth of, wow. of field quite a bit in some interesting ways. Yeah, I think yeah. so. And there's one shot specifically that takes place on a tank. Yeah. And uh, that... That scene was very yeah. devastating and cool at the same time. Yeah. The shot was great, and the 3D looked good. Okay. Um, let's do... i got to rush now. Let's do some movie callback real quick. Callback, callback, callback. The films that... Don of the Planet of the Apes may have reminded you of any in mind, Marcus? Um, okay, so uh, I guess the uh, Tim Burton Planet of the Apes. I just wanted everybody to remember how bad that movie was, and <laughs> in the right hands, how it's supposed to look, how a movie about uh, talking apes is supposed to look, versus how a movie about talking apes just done, uh, it looks. You know, so I just want to, you know, if you if you have it's worth going back just to appreciate these movies more. Hmm. Tyler. Uh, OK, this is going to sound strange. Uh, Jurassic Park a little bit, um, just because there are moments of genuine tension that at times were almost excruciating um, because the apes are scary at times when they really embrace the ape nature, except now they have guns uh, and aren't afraid to use them. I mean, they Reeves really draws out the tension. And I found myself reacting the same way that I did in that kitchen scene of Jurassic mm-hmm. Park, mm-hmm. where it's just like, I recognize objectively that they're not going to kill these kids. Uh, and I recognize objectively, they're not going to kill Jason Clark at the moments when it felt like they were going to, but you know, it was directed so uh, and acted so uh, expertly that I forgot that. I forgot what I inherently know as a film goer. And uh, so it reminded me of that and just the use of spectacle. And I don't know, it's uh, I, that's it reminded me of that. And uh, to a lesser extent, uh, Aliens. Abe? Uh, Julius Caesar, as we mentioned, uh, Contagion, World War Z. The video game The Last of Us and uh, Place Beyond the Pines, as well as uh, wow. This is the End. Well, I can see that Place Beyond the Pines call. That's neat. Um, Marcus is number one from last year, I believe. Yeah. Um, let's see. It's yeah. A great movie. Yeah. Uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Battle for the Planet of the Apes, uh, Children of Men, uh, The Lion King, 
and uh, District 9. All those uh, came to mind for me. Children of Men and uh, The Lion Children King. Children of Men, yeah. Specifically. Yeah. <laughs> Lion King. It's that Shakespearean drama, that Mufasa, yeah, Lion King. Mufasa <laughs> scar arc. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to our sponsor real quick. Today's podcast is brought to you by audible.com. Go to audibletrial.com to talk about podcasts. You can get a free audiobook download. Here's the book that I'm recommending this week. It's called Planet of the Apes by Pierre Boulet. Um <laughs> Greg, now, how, did, how did you arrive at that recommendation? You know what? I just drew a, a name out of the hat. I was okay. like, oh, a new Boule novel. <laughs> You're just taking a shower and just like, oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah. Uh, the, this one, Greg Wise reads this chilling, iconic novel about a nightmare world where apes rule over men in a spaceship that can travel the speed of light. The Ulysses, a journalist, sets off from Earth for the nearest solar system. He finds there a planet which resembles his own, except that our... Our, our um, humans behave like animals and are hunted by civilized, a civilized race of prim, primates. This is, of course, the book that inspired the film Planet of the Apes. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, you can get that on audibletrial.com. So a podcast or any other book that you find there. You can head over. You can download the book for free. You can check out the service. If you don't like the service, you can get rid of it, but you get to keep the book that you downloaded for free anyway. So be a winner. Read or listen. Audibletrial.com. Slash out now podcast. Okay. What time is it? I think that it's time for some games here. You made Michael Giancino proud. Yeah, I, I nailed that one, I thought. Uh, <laughs> Abe, do you have a game for it to play? I do. It's called Monkey and Around. <laughs> yeah. And these are movies <laughs> in which there are apes, and you have to name the movie. A very deceiving title, then. Yeah, well, you know, we're just playing games, so we're monkeying around. So you're gonna you're gonna describe some movie that has an ape in it. Yes, that's correct, and you have to name the movie. So okay. do we have to do we have to buzz in? Yes, you do have to buzz in. You can say your name, and then you can say the answer. Or if you just want to say buzz, you can say the answer. Okay. All right, here we go. This orangutan really wants man's fire in this movie. Tyler. Tyler. Uh, am I naming the orangutan or the movie? You're, you're naming the movie. Jungle Book. That is correct. No. Oh. Right. Louie? A train. What? <laughs> Louie? Yeah, King Louie. A trained chimpanzee plays third base for a minor league baseball team. Darren. Oh. Aaron. Um, Ed. <laughs> that is correct, Ed. All right, next one. A chimpanzee is taken to an Air Force base for a top-secret mission. Tyler. Tyler. Oh, is that Project X? That's correct. All right. The you, real did, Project X. Did the game start Not yet? <laughs> Jesus. Three more, three more. All right. <laughs> A human has been raised by apes and proceeds to fall in love with Leslie Mann. Uh, A human has yeah, been raised... Yeah, Aaron. Aaron. George of the Jungle. That is correct. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I didn't realize I was Leslie Mann. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. And Thomas Hayden Church plays the villain. Yeah. Yeah. A Disney Aww. documentary about an orphaned ape who finds an older ape companion who takes him in. Tyler. Tyler. Chimpanzee. That is correct. No thanks. Marcus, you. come on. I, I, you know, you'll Oops. you'll probably get this one, Marcus. Oh God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when okay. an expedition in the African Congo. Ends in disaster. A new team is assembled to find out what went wrong. Uh, Tyler. Tyler. Congo. I heard that is Marcus, correct. But, okay. I, yeah. Yeah. I heard Tyler. Can I chime in? Oh, sorry. 
I don't know if you guys know or not, but Congo is where you are the endangered species. <laughs> yeah. I knew that one. I like that part where Amy, you know, she jumps up in front of the apes and she's like, Rubadu, I want to be like you. It's a really great part. It's <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part of that movie. <laughs> and then someone uh, throws her a fastball. Yeah. And, the, and then Tim Curry gets his head stomped on. All of that happens in like two minutes. How many points did I get? <laughs> you got a half point. Okay. I'm awarding you half a point, but Tyler with the win here, clearly. Is it like yeah. participation? Yeah, well, no, you because the half was for the okay, last. The con- okay, the so, so that means Tyler does get to come back for another episode of the podcast. Oh, eventually. Mark, is still, Mark is still on the cusp. That's my I've reward? Been, I've been exiled. <laughs> oh. And an e-pad on the back. Man, I could have, I wish I'd known that. I would have thrown this. <laughs> I would have just guessed Dunstan checks in for everyone. I'm surprised <laughs> they didn't come up, actually. Or monkey trouble. Monkey, or Mighty Joe monkey. Young. There's well, a lot of options. Okay, Monkey Trouble is a monkey, not an ape. But anyway. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. With featuring Thor Birch and Harvey Keitel as a gypsy. Wow. No. I think if you take Harvey Keitel and John Voigt from Anaconda, you'd have one hell of a team. <laughs> Let's, um... I want to see that mashup movie immediately. Let's get to our out-now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback! This is where we go over the, some of the various, uh... Answers we received on our Facebook page, facebook.com/podcast, to the number of questions we asked during the week. And um, with that said, Abe, why don't you start this one off? So we asked, uh, "Who is your favorite movie ape?" Mike Jones says, "Bigfoot from Boggy Creek 2." Okay. Uh, Jason <laughs> Jason Ritter writes, "Ed," we just mentioned that guy. Uh, Philip writes, "Caesar from Conquest of the Planet of the Apes." Mark Hoban, friend of the show, writes, "King Kong," but specifically from the the ape from the 1933 version. And lastly, Justin writes, I always like King Louie, but also Amy from Congo is pretty cool. Do gorillas count? They're apes. Sure, yes. I, I saw some gorillas in Dawn. Um, a whole flock of them. That's what they're called, right? Yeah. Flock of gorillas. Um, pretty sure, yeah. <laughs> the That's right. No. <laughs> I think they're called a murder. A murder of a murder gorillas. A murder of gorillas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we were asked um, a version of this question last week. Um, but what's what's everyone's favorite Gary Oldman performance? And I'll read these guys first, but you guys can feel free to chime in as well. Uh, Jason has J- uh, James Gordon from the Dark Knight trilogy. Uh, Tammy agrees. Uh, Josh has Sid and Nancy. Carl has Sid and Nancy. Prick up your ears. Dracula, Dark Knight, and JFK. Was I only supposed to pick one? Well, LOL, okay, prick up your ears. Okay. Uh, Linda has Sid and Nancy and State of Grace. Whoa. Joe Jans has Drexel Spivey from True Romance. It's White Boy Day. <laughs> okay. April has Dracula, and Corey Stevenson has True Romance, The Fifth Element, and his guest appearance on Friends. Hmm. <laughs> Any thoughts? My, as a... Mine is uh, probably th- there's a lot of great ones, obviously, mm-hmm. but uh, Tinker Taylor, Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy is pretty amazing. Yeah, as far as like like pure acting goes, his, his Tinker Taylor performance is just really strong. It's so subdued and different from a lot of other Oldman performances. Yeah. What about uh the professional? The professional. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I think that's like the exact opposite of his Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy performance, yeah. actually, yes. but I love it too. But he's crazy I really in love it. That one. Yeah, he's crazy. And he's also, also a very good villain in Air Force One. I always really liked him in that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he brings a he brings that menace that Gary Oldman's very capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had another question: favorite motion capture performance, but no one seemed to add, no one seemed to answer it, which was a bit confusing to me. Um, Andy actually, Serkis no. in all of them, right? Yeah, 
basically. I, you know what? I really like Bill Nye in uh, as Davy Jones. I think that's a really strong performance. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That's one that I tend to look at beyond Andy Serkis's great work that he's done over the years. Yeah. You know what? Uh, Crispin Glover in Beowulf is, Grendel. is, pre- is pretty amazing. I, yeah, I think there's a sim- there's real sympathy to that character. Oh, yeah. Given that he's supposed to be a monster, but you see where he's coming from just based on sound design, which I think yeah. is clever. That's just a good movie. I like Beowulf yeah. quite a bit. I don't love it, but I, I like it uh, a fair amount. And um, let's see. Okay, so we have some questions here that we can get to real quick. Yeah. Jason asks us, do you guys think there will be a 24 movie? Um, as the host of 24, the Jack and Chloe adventure cast, <laughs> I will say that there's been no news on any kind of movie and that this season that's currently going on replaced the idea of a movie. Um, I do know that the 24 is having a panel at Comic-Con, so who knows? Maybe there'll be some kind of crazy announcement from Kiefer Sutherland saying there'll be a 24 movie, but at this time, doubt it in my eyes, and honestly, I don't think a movie would do that show, you know, much good. Like, why? Unless it's like two hours in real time, but why would it be called 24 and not just two? So. <laughs> um, I want to save this question, because we don't have much time left, so I'm going to save that for another time. I like that, yeah. Uh-huh. I was like, that's actually a pretty solid question there. Yeah. Um, but I will ask this one, because Joe Jans asked this question. Um, who would you cast as Bill Murray's role in Tripper? of Tripper in a remake of the 1979 classic Meatballs, who would direct. My answer to this will make Marcus, like, cringe a bit, but oh, I would just say oh, Sam Rockwell already did it last yeah. year on the way, way back. He did already do it. I would say the same thing. But, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't make me cringe. <laughs> Are you a Meatballs fan, Tyler? I've never seen it. you never seen Meatballs. Wow. Meatballs is all right. It's an all right movie, but that said, yeah. the one scene that you need to watch is just Bill Murray giving a speech, which he tends to do really well in that and Stripes and other things. But yeah, <laughs> it's a good speech in meatballs that I enjoy. And, yeah. All right. Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> no. <laughs> he's been banned from a lot of things. Why? He's consistently good at acting. It's just everything else he does is bad. Yeah. He's not famous anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's not famous anymore. <laughs> all uh, right. With all that in mind, let's do a little quick Out Now presents What's Out Now. These are movies that are coming out on Blu-ray, DVD, or streaming this week. And we have Rio 2. Yeah, I didn't see it. Yeah, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. So. Um, Under the Skin. <laughs> Actually, I know, Marcus, you're not a huge fan of Under the I was, Skin. I was, I was kind of bored, yeah. But Tyler, did you see Under the Skin? I did not. I really wanted to, though. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for, I'm, I'm getting it just because I, I was, I was transfixed by it. I've kept thinking about it, even though it's not a movie I loved compared to other movies that are similar, like Enemy, per se, but. Okay. Uh, I still, like, I, it's, like, lingered in my mind enough to be like, I need to see this movie more. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, Open Grave, which I believe is a Charlotte Copley joint. Uh, really? Have not seen it, but I know Didn't see it. Week. Uh, I think it's similar to Buried with uh, with, Reynolds, with Ryan Reynolds. I like Buried. Uh, we have Orphan Black <laughs> Season 2. Any Orphan Black fans? I've never seen it. I hear great things. Good show. Good uh, good didn't, lead performance by Tatiana. Didn't Slot. get that uh that Emmy nomination. Yeah. So let's see. Hell on Wheels season three. This is that Western show on AMC that features Common among others. I just like saying Common because like Common, hey, Common is that show. Yeah, he's he's. The, that makes like, me just want to watch it just for that. He's like second build in that show. Wow. Does he have another name like Most Def? No, he's just Common. No, he's actually his real name is Common. It's Common knowledge that it he is? just goes by Common. Common, it's Common Smith. Um, uh, Black Dynamite Season 1, the animated series. 
I just wanted to point that out because I'm a huge fan of the Black Dynamite the movie, and I saw a couple here. of Black Dynamite, <laughs> and it was like, it's alright. It's an alright uh, TV show for an animated show. It's not as good as the movie, but it's fine. So. And lastly, just because I wanted to point this out, because it's on Criterion out this week, Scanners, the uh, right. David Cronenberg film. Uh, Ty, are you a fan of Scanners? Uh, sort of. Right? Uh, <laughs> Michael Ironside is always fun to watch. I mean, the special effects are fun, the ideas are fun, but uh, some of the performances are really wooden, and the and the writing isn't isn't always there. It's it's fine. Uh, I'm I understand why Criterion probably grabbed it because it's Cronenberg, but I feel like eh, it's I, not it's not his best. I am exactly in the same camp as you are, Skitters, because I know it has this cult following to it. But I do yeah. think all of the things you just said are exactly what I think about Skitters. But I did want to point it out because Skitters it's about a people people people's brains get blown up in that movie, so it's fun to yeah. mention it every now. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's uh, next week's show? Wrapping up now. Uh, next week we are going to talk about probably Snowpiercer or maybe Boyhood if Abe gets a chance to see it. It'll definitely Absolutely. be more of an indie showcase show because I just you know planes, fire, and rescue seems too good for us to talk about for. I think minutes. so too. Yeah, it's, it's too like yeah we are beneath that movie. Ex- yeah, we're beneath the planet of the planes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with that lack, lack of humans. Yeah. Real quick, man. There, there's a movie right there. Planes, planes <laughs> versus the humans. After uh, all the humans are extinct. Real quick before we wrap up here, what should people go see in theaters right now? Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Marcus? Uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say Edge of Tomorrow. Nice call. I like that. See it That's while it's still there. Yeah. Maybe give it a little bit more money that it deserves. Yeah, that yeah. A- 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 and I and Marcus yeah. and many others have certainly been praising Edge of Tomorrow for the last few weeks on this show. Yes. Yeah, it's it's pretty great. Um, yes. I would just say seek out Boyhood. I know it expands wider next week and the weeks following as well. So if you can, if you get a chance to see it, see it. And uh, yeah, that's gonna do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog at codazeek.com, where you can find all my written movie reviews, as well as at whysoblue.com for all my Blu-ray reviews. And you can follow me at Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff at walrusmoose.blogspot.com and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Hashtag Pete Holmes. <laughs> uh, Tyler Smith? Uh, you can find me at battleshipretention.com and morethanonelesson.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at morelessons. And Marcus Robinson? You can uh, follow me at Twitter uh, at moviesmarcus. Uh, and you can uh, read my stuff on examiner.com. And, of course, you can follow other all the other episodes of Out Now with Aaron and Abe on iTunes and Stitcher, as well as at hhwld.com. That is the podcast network that hosts our show, along with many other shows about geeks and comics and movies and TV and other things like that. Oh, we should talk about the we should talk about the Comic-Con meetup. Yeah, we'll mention ah. that right, yeah, let's do that right now. Tyler, there's a Comic-Con meetup coming up, right? There sure <laughs> is. It's the great podcast meetup of 2014 at San Diego Comic-Con. Thursday, July 24th at 8 p.m. at the Dublin Square Irish Pub at 554 4th Avenue in San Diego. Here's some of the podcasts that'll be there. Warner Archive, My Own Battleship Pretension, Criterion Cast, The Televerse, uh, The Screamcast, and then, of course, Aaron will be there from out now, uh, and then my co-host will be there for more than one lesson, so we're adding that as well. So a lot of people will be there. It'll be a lot of fun. We like talking to uh, to listeners Come and say hello to Aaron. He's a very personable guy. And uh, say hello to me. I'm not, but, <laughs> you know. 
I'll do what I can. I completely, I completely meant to have that. I forgot to put it in my notes at the beginning. I was going to mention that right at the, at the top of the show, too. But yeah, the Comic-Con meetup. That's I'm looking forward to that. And I really hope that Abe makes it down here, too. He really should. I'm, I'm looking into it. I'm down. looking into it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we'll be sure to plug that next week as well and just to keep the word out on it because that should be a lot of fun. You can also find our episodes over at outnow.podomatic.com as well as soundcloud.com slash outnowpodcast. And email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts on Dawn of the Planet of the Apes of the whatever else you want to talk about. <laughs> Interact with us over at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast or you can tweet at us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And lastly, outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. Feel free to follow us there as well as our voicemail line, 972-798-3830. You can leave a voicemail and ask us a question or leave a comment of some kind, and we'll be happy to play it on the show. So with all of that said, Tyler and Marcus, thank you very much for joining Thanks. us today. Thank you for Thanks having for us. us. Even though I never do anything in the games. Yeah, but you added plenty to our very insightful discussion of Donald Planet of the Apes, I think. So. Yeah. I, know the game, I know the games are the most important. Part. They are. That's, I mean, I'm trying <laughs> Sorry to, to let you down time. again. I mean, we just didn't want to put it in your face, but yeah, they are. <laughs> but, and you're not letting us down. You're letting yourself down. I mean, that's... <laughs> <laughs> There's your dark I should, ending. I should take a look <laughs> in the mirror. Yeah. Thank you. All right. But yeah, until next time, when, you know, monkeys may be... Ru- not monkeys, sorry, that's species. Apes. When apes may rule the world, we'll find out. That's going to do it. So, so long. And goodbye. I hate every ape I see, from chimpanzee to chimpanzee. No, you'll never make a monkey out of me. Oh my God, I was wrong. It was Earth all along. You finally made a monkey. Yes, we finally I did to speak to Caesar. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, guys, I got to get out of here. Uh... <laughs>